And we're thankful for this time that we have to remember Christ and his coming, uh, his advent, that he came, that we might have hope, that our joy and our peace would be full, and that we'd be able to celebrate the goodness of God and, and his immeasurable love for us. And so I'm so thankful for another opportunity to continue this series of Christmas in my heart. Christmas in my heart. Christ being magnified in our heart. That he is hope. That he is peace. Next week you'll hear about love and that he is our joy. And because of Christ we can celebrate today. So I'd like to just take some time and just talk with you today about that idea of peace. The title of the message today will let the peace of God rule. Let the peace of God have dominion. Let the peace of God lead our life. Let the peace of God rule. Last week we looked at Romans, the 15th chapter, the 13th verse that says, Now the God of hope fill you with all peace, a correction, with all joy and peace. So his hope now has the ability to fill us if we allow it in believing that we may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. So we ask a question of ourselves, how did God bring his peace? And we just think about it and we just meditate on that a little bit. And we heard a little bit of it over the last couple of weeks. The story of the coming of Jesus, which is found in Luke, the second chapter, verse 8 through 14. So I just want to read that so we can just reflect on that a little bit in, in Luke, the second chapter, verse 8 through 14. And here is what it says. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came unto them, and the, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, and you shall find the babe wrapped in swallowing clothes. It probably wasn't as pretty as this manger we have set up today. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So we know that he gave Jesus Christ so that we would have peace on this earth. But when we think about the reality of today, even still today, do you know that there are many during this time of Christmas that are full, full of grief and tragedy and hurt and division? Even today, 2,000 years after Jesus' coming, Christ's coming was intended to bring peace. Christmas celebrates that God became human in the form of Jesus by stepping right into the middle of our hurting, in the middle of this fallen world, this chaotic world, to bring us peace, to have peace among people, and even more importantly, peace with God. But as we look around us, we know that there's still some unrest. There can be some unrest in our heart, and there can be some unrest in our world. So to get a clear understanding of why this is so important, why peace is so important, it's, it's important to ask the question, what is peace? See, if we look at the definition of it, it says freedom from disturbance or tranquility, a state or period in which there is no war or war has ended, that there is no war within our hearts and there's no war on the outside. There's this feeling of tranquility, and there's freedom from 
disturbance, things that would just eat us up, that would disturb us, that would cause us to have grief and pain and suffering. See, it can be a physical and it can be a spiritual. See, true peace includes our personal wellness, our righteousness and justice and prosperity that God intended for all creation. That's why God intended things to be like they were in, in the Garden of Eden, like they were in that time of paradise, that there wasn't any unrest, that there wasn't any disturbance within their heart and soul, and there wasn't any fighting and warring against men like we see with Cain and Abel. But God, through Christ, brings inner peace and will establish eternal peace. So I want to spend today talking about two areas of peace. The first one is inner peace and what that truly means to have inner peace. It refers to a state of being totally and mentally and spiritually at peace with having enough knowledge and understanding of God's word to keep oneself strong in the face of discord or distress. Being at peace is considered to be healthy and whole in Christ. Not having stress or anxiety that causes us to think one thing when God says another. That we trust and we stand upon his holy word. That we allow him to rule our thoughts, our emotions, our will. But see, Jesus' betrayal reminds us of this inner peace he wants us to have. In John, the 16th chapter, the 33rd verse, here's what Jesus said. He said, these things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. See, inner peace means that we trust in him. We trust that he is overcome, that he's stronger and more able than any other force in this world. I love what Isaiah, the 26th chapter, the third verse, remind us. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. See, if we put our trust in him, if we allow our mind to be saved on him, he'll keep us in perfect peace. See, I remember a time when I didn't have a whole lot of peace because I grew up kind of a small family. It was pretty much my mom, my sister, and I. We had my grandmother and my aunt lived close by. And I remember about eight years ago, my, my grandmother was sitting with my mom, and my mom asked her a question. Now, my grandmother said this to my mom. She said, you won't let me die. And my mom said, well, what's wrong, mom? What, why are you going? She said, I'm, I'm, I'm tired. I'm, I'm ready to go be with Jesus. And my mom looked at my grandmother. And she said, well, mom, if that's what you think you need, need to do, go ahead and do it. My grandmother got up. She went to bed. She laid in her bed, and she went to be with Jesus. But there was something inside me. I missed my grandmother. I missed being with her. A few years later, I, and I had an opportunity to do my grandmother's funeral, and, and I remember being up there, and I was very emotional, and I, and, and, and I could feel God's peace, but I missed her. I knew that she was with Jesus. I knew that she was with God. And then a few years later, my sister called me, and she had been diagnosed with breast cancer, and she fought for about a year. I remember standing outside the last time I was with my sister, and we're, it's about midnight, and we're standing in the dark, and we're just hugging each other, and we're weeping. And I remember the story of her doctor standing in the elevator with her, and the doctor had tears rolling down his eyes. And she looked at the doctor, and she said, why are you crying? Stop that crying. I'm going to be with my Jesus. But I missed her. And then a few years later, 
my mom was at her house, and she called me, and she said, son, I need you to have your nephew do this, this, and that. He won't do anything for me. And I said, well, mom, I can call him, but I can't make him do anything. He's a grown man. And in her frustration, she said to me, she said, one of these days, y'all going to find me in here dead in this home. And she hung up the phone. And a week later, I got the call. My mom was gone by herself in the house. And I grieved. And it was hard for me to feel that peace. And then about a month later, my godmother, my aunt, she went on to be with the Lord. I said, God, all of these people I love dearly that have been so important in my life, why, Lord? And so he started to remind me that he hadn't taken away life, he had given it. That he hadn't brought death, but he brought eternal life. And that I could hold on and trust him and allow his perfect peace to rule my heart. See, that's the scripture I want you to meditate on today and share with you today. It's found in Colossians, the third chapter, the 15th verse. Colossians, the third chapter, the 15th verse, it says this, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. See, God knows that we're all going to go through trials, and we're going to go through tribulations, and there will be times of hardship, and there will be times of missing and hurt, that the Bible says that it's appointed unto every man to die. But then there is life eternal. That if we trust in him, that we allow him to be our source, to him to be our dwelling place. That, oh, no, death will not have its sting. Oh, no, death, great, the grave will have not have victory, but it is swallowed up in life. See, Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. So as we look at this scripture and we meditate on Galatians 3.15 and let the peace of God rule in your heart. See, that word let means to allow to surrender to, to let his peace rule, have lordship, have governance over your heart. And no matter what the trial or tribulation, he will see you through. And that we are called in one body. In other words, we are sent of God to demonstrate his peace, to demonstrate his love on this earth. That we walk in unity of the spirit, that we walk in one body, demonstrating Christ in us. And that we be thankful for all that God has given. Job said it like this. He said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. See, Job went through some things to get him to that point of seeing that God is good. God is sovereign. God is faithful. And no matter what the situation looks like, we can trust him. He said, if the Lord takes it away, it's for my good. If the Lord giveth, it's for my good. And I can trust him. See, when we think about Christ's peace, the everlasting peace God promises in Jesus is an inner peace. It's not based off of circumstances, not based off of situations. It's not the happy word, it's the joy that we have in him. See, we are born into this faith. At the moment that we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are born into the body of believers. And then we are anchored by our testimony. See, every one of you in here has a testimony. Just like we heard Ethan and Laura's testimony of how God saw them through some pretty tough times. Losing a child is a tough, tough time. But God saw them through. The Bible reminds us he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's no respective person. If he did it for one, he'll do it for you. And his nature is love. You know, the very nature of God is love. 
Sometimes in our going through stuff in this world, we can ask that question. We, we, can, we can feel like God doesn't love us. We can feel like, why would he allow this to happen to me? You ever been there? See, when we come to the realization that his very nature is love, God can't think outside of love. You know that? Because that's who he is. He says, with love and kindness have I drawn thee. See, he's just trying to draw us closer and closer to him. And maybe some of you are like me that you couldn't just tell it to me. I had to go through some stuff to see how much he loved me. Anybody? You had to walk that thing out? Because maybe when you heard it for the first time, maybe just like our kids sometimes, we tell them they, we love them, but they go, uh-huh. They look at us funny. Any of your child ever looked at you funny? But then when our children or us fall and walk through some things, he's right there, ever ready to lift us up, to pull them to him. Have you, have you noticed any time you lift up your child, you're always pulling them to you? From a fall, God lifts us up and draws us to him, and he holds on to us. But I love this about us. He doesn't hold us so tightly that we are not a part of his embrace. If we don't want to be a part of his embrace, he doesn't hold us that tightly. He wants to, but he gives us a choice to be loved by him. And wanting to, even when we're going through the toughest of times, to know that he is there. That he'll never leave us nor forsake us. That he hasn't forgotten about us. That we are anchored in his love. And also, his peace is expressed through the continual obedience that we have in him. Do you know when we're obedient, it brings God's peace? It brings a no more looking back over your shoulder over the stuff that we've done. There were times when I wasn't obedient to God, I was always kind of, you ever kind of look around like, okay, when it's going to happen? When something going to go wrong? When my stuff going to get me in too much trouble that I can handle? And so he reminds us to be obedient, to walk with him, to trust him, to allow him to be our dwelling place. See, it's a peace of spirit that echoes through the heart and the soul. When we have peace with God, it doesn't just stay there. It does something on the inside of us. And I love that we sung that song today that reminds us of the scripture in Isaiah, the ninth chapter, the sixth verse. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called. See, when we think about the peace of God, his name means something. A wonderful counselor. He is wise and true. When you do not know which way to go, you can trust his way. He is a mighty God. He is ruling over every circumstance in your life and in this world. You see, remember God said to Satan, you cannot touch his life. It belongs to me. Satan cannot touch your life. It belongs to God. And he's ruling over your circumstances. He's also the everlasting father. His nearness does not end after Christmas. He pulls you into his family forever. He's an eternal father. And all he asks us to do is to come unto him. That if we trust Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we are entered into the family of God. Jesus said himself, he said, no man can come unto the father but by me. And he's an eternal father. That scripture also reminds us that he is the prince of peace. He is good. He reigns in peace. And he wants us to have that peace. So while the coming of Jesus brings inner peace, there is a need also to establish eternal peace. See, eternal peace hasn't been fully established yet. There's a time coming. And as we take a moment to look at this world and the turmoil in this world, 
I was reading an article by, that was put out by the Moody Bible Institute, and it spoke about this world that we live in. This article was written in 1988, and here is a portion of what it talked about. It said this journal reported an incredible statistic. Since the beginning of recorded time, the entire world has been at peace less than 8% of the time. Now, this has taken about 3,530 years of recorded history, and there's only about 286 years that this world has seen peace, documented peace. And there has been over 8,000 peace treaties that's been signed and made and then broken. And so we live in a world that we know that is not at peace, that there's unrest. I used to tell, while I was in the military, I used to think about the different wars that we had, and, and the public eye would see Desert Storm, and then see Operation Iraqi Freedom, and then see Bosnia. But we were always fighting a conflict somewhere, even when it wasn't in the news, and the president wasn't making an act of war. There was still fighting going on every minute of every day, of every month, of every year. And so when we think about that, I'm reminded of what Jesus said in Matthew 10, verse 34. Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. Wow. And so Jesus says these words. We know that he has brought inner peace for us, but he's also brought a sword. And that sword is a sword of God's righteousness, of God's sovereignty, and even God's judgment upon this earth. And so we think about that judgment, and we think about what's it all about. And it's so important that we continue to look at Matthew, the 10th chapter, and see what the next two or three verses says. Verse 35, if I have come to set a man at variance against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter in law against her mother-in-law. Been there, right? A little bit. And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. So why did Jesus say that? Look what the rest of it says in verse 37. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. See, he wants us to know that, that we put him first, that he doesn't go alongside anything else in this world, not even our own household. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. So there's a time coming and, uh, that there may be people in our, entire, in our own family that won't believe, that won't accept Christ. And so God's righteous judgment is to bring things back in order. And so he's not going to force anybody. That we each have a decision to make whether or not we're going to choose Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And that may grieve our heart to imagine or think that we have siblings or children or parents that won't believe, that won't accept. I'm so thankful and I'm confident in what I do know that my family members that have left this earth, that they're with Jesus, that they're in heaven. They all made that decision and, and verbally I heard it and we talked about it. Yes, God knows the heart, but each man and woman and child has to make that decision for themselves. And so Jesus is telling us there's going to be a time coming where he's going to put everything back in order. That just like it was in the Garden of Eden, there's a time of peace coming. And it's an eternal peace. And those that choose not to accept Christ, those that have not been adopted into the beloved and the family of God, then they will be on the side of the devil and his angels. And there'll be judgment upon the earth. 
So what does this mean? It means that Jesus isn't here just to make us feel nice, to spread peace to all. There must be a choosing of him. Which side are you going to be on? By choosing Christ, you obtain peace with God first. He transforms our lives and rules over our hearts to have peace with man. See, Martin Luther King was preaching on this very verse in Matthew 10, 34. Think not that I have come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. And here's what Martin Luther King Jr. said. He said, peace is not merely the absence of tension, but the presence of justice. See, we serve a just God. And he has seen the unjustness of this world. He has seen the unjustness of the devil, Satan, and his demon. He has seen the unruliness and sinfulness of the heart of man. And his desire as a just God is to make all things right, to put it in order, to redeem that what was lost. And so his divine plan and his divine order is to bring order out of chaos. See, he created all things, including people, which are the pinnacle of his creation. That's what we are. We're, we're the best of what God created. But see, then in the book of Genesis, he rested after he created all. And we ask that question, why did he rest? Because everything was right and peaceful. Everything was in order so that God could rest. And his desire is to bring all things back in order so that we can rest also. Don't you just get weary all, thinking about all the stuff going on in this world? And even though we trust God, sometimes we have those moments, right? When our kids are out and, and they're, they're driving, even today, Adam and Ben, they work for waiter and they're driving around. I'm still like, Lord, watch over them, keep them. See, God wants to bring rest. See, in the Garden of Eden, because everything was right and peaceful, it was shalom, peace. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord of peace. And now through Jesus, God is making all things new and returning creation back to Shalom. This is what the last two chapters of Revelation shares with us. He said, I'm, there's coming a day. I'm putting it back in order. Look what Revelation chapter 21, verse 3 through 7 tells us. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all their tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. See, that's what my grandmother was looking for. She just, she told my mom, she said, I'm just in so much pain. I just want to rest. For the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, behold, I make all things new. All things new. And he said unto me, write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, it is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that cometh shall inherit all things. And I will be his God, and he shall be my son. God doesn't want to hold anything back from us. He, he, he wants us to inherit all things. He wants us to enter into his peace, into his rest. He has a divine plan 
to do that. He sent Jesus that we might have peace on this earth, but he also sent Jesus that we would have peace eternally in the heavens. His peace includes justice. It's not a shoddy or halfway peace. It makes things right. It sets captives free. It offers forgiveness for our sins through the punishment endured by Jesus for our sins. He paid a price for all of our sins. Everything that we've ever done, everything that we will ever do, Jesus Christ paid for it. And that doesn't mean that we live our life any kind of way, but we can rest in his peace, knowing that he has done that finished work for each and every one. See, it is not by our own works, but by God's work for us and through Jesus Christ. See, I love what Ephesians 2, 7, 10 reminds us. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Jesus Christ. For by grace are ye saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You know, we can't boast about anything that we do. We can only boast about the work that he has done and is doing through us. That we are living portraits of God's beauty, of his hope, of his love, of his peace that he wants to bring in this world. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And so we are to walk in the peace that God has ordained for us. No matter what the circumstance, no matter what the situation looks like, we bring peace because of Christ. See, this is truly the peace core in this room right here, because of Christ in us. See, as we depend upon God, he establishes peace in us. As we allow him to rule our heart, to govern our heart, and as we remember our calling that we are sent by God. We don't go by ourselves. We don't go on our own accord, but we allow him to send us. The Bible reminds us that Jesus goes with us and that we get to bring Jesus, the coming king, into the presence of somebody. We are called to live out his peace as transformed believers. We proclaim his peace on earth. See, the coming of Christ on that fateful day when he was born into this earth by his mother Mary. They said those words, peace on earth and goodwill towards men. See, the peace on earth part was for us. The goodwill towards men was for others. That we would take that peace, that we would be the embodiment of peace and bring it to others. That it would, as we go through trials in life, as we go through tough times, they would just see that peace that passes all understanding. It may be just like me, you've felt that sting of death. Maybe you've felt lost a loved one. Maybe you've even had a sickness or disease that you just felt like it was consuming you. And weariness may have started sitting in your heart. And you had that moment. You couldn't explain it. You don't know how it all came about, but you felt him get a little bit closer. And that he just held you in his arms and walked you through that tough, tough time. Maybe you didn't have the words to say and you, and, and you couldn't utter and you felt like the weeping was never going to stop. But then joy came in the morning and his peace just settled on you. And it caused the disturbance, it caused the unrest to just subside. See, he wants that for us each and every day. For us to trust in his unchanging hand. It does not matter what the devil do. God is more powerful. 
he's more gracious. He's a sovereign, holy, righteous, mighty God, and he loves you. And so he's reminding us today, let the peace of God rule in your heart. Amen. Let's give God a hand clap of praise. He's worthy.